This is Maureen Milliken. And this is Rebecca Milliken. And this is GroovyTube. Season 1, The Crimes of the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And today we're talking about Brady, Season 1, Episodes 13 through 18, I believe. Yeah. And they include, Is There a Doctor in the House? That's Episode 13. The Bradys face a medical crisis when the children come down with measles. Carol calls the girls' doctor and Mike calls the boys' doctor. Episode 14, Father of the Year. Marsha enters her new dad in a newspaper contest for Father of the Year, but gets herself grounded for breaking mm-hmm, house rules mm-hmm. to make a, the late night deadline. Mm, deadlines, I'll kill ya. Number 15, 5440 and fight. The Brady children fight over what to get with their trading stamps. Yes, and some of you might not understand what those are. Well, so we'll let you explain. know. Episode 16, Mike's Horoscope. I think this is my favorite of this this group of episodes. Mike's Horoscope predicts that a strange woman will come into his life. And she sure does. Oh, yes. Episode 17, The Undergraduate. Greg seems sick, but Alice discovers a love note he wrote to a mysterious Linda. Linda. Episode 18, Tiger, Tiger. When the Brady's dog disappears, Bobby fears he's been oh, run over. Oh, poor little Bobby. Bobby. Okay. So, is there a doctor in the house? And this is this comes under the solidly under the battle of the sexes yes, label. Yes, it does. And the sexism. Yes, they have to go hand in hand on this show Although because there isn't that many mind games in this one. But no, unfortunately, but they make up for that in later episodes. The premise is. The kids get the measles. It starts one by one in situation comedy. Yes, time. and back then they didn't get vaccinated. Well, we got vaccinated. We got vaccinated. I'm but not sure. It's funny how people treat the measles as a joke. Well, every time somebody says measles, Mike laughs like it's funny. And then he gets it at the end, and it's like, hey, buddy, that can mess with your... Are the measles different than the German measles? Or... They, they are, but they're still, especially with adults, they're caused by a virus. And I'm not a doctor, but I just know what I've read. They can be dangerous. They can be dangerous. I know, and they're all just like... Uh-huh, but in any case, there's classic sitcom miscommunication where, you know, they have to call the doctor. So Carol, And back when they did actually make house calls. Yes. So Carol calls the girl's doctor, who's a woman doctor. Oh, my God. Oh, no. A woman doctor. How could women be doctors? And she's played by Marion Ross. Who ends up being Mrs. Cunningham. On Happy Days. Yes. And the actor whose name I can't remember, who played Dennis the Menace's father. Yes, the other doctor, Dr. Kramer. Oh, Dr. Kramer. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. And he, maybe we could, if only there were a way to look things up. I know, if you could look online. But he's the boy's doctor, and Mike calls him. Well, actually, Mike calls him up to say, how are the the kids? And Dr. Kramer's like, how the fuck should I know? Only he says it in 60s sitcom way, like, gosh, I I don't know. And so Mike's like, oh, Carol was supposed to call you. Wackiness and Sue's yes, when both. the girl's female doctor and the boy's male doctor both show up. And they go to the... Peter's the first one that has measles, right? So Carol calls about him first, and then the other kids 
come home. Then Jan comes home. Then a bunch of them, Greg, yeah, they all and come home yeah, eventually they all. So she initially calls Dr. Marion Ross. Yeah, I was going to say Dr. Ross because I, I didn't write down the doctor's name, but she calls the, her doctor to come see Peter. So she goes into the boys' room, and of course, they're all scandalized that this woman wants them to take their clothes off so she can examine them. And nobody really explains that a female can be a doctor. I mean, somebody says, well, there are female doctors, believe it or kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think that's why I said Mike's a sexist. I Right, but nobody says, you know, women can be doctors the same way men can be doctors, Mm. you know, and nobody says that. I know. Maybe they think it's so obvious they don't have to say it, but the way they act, it was 1970. Although the girls didn't want the male doctor, which I don't blame them. Well, I I have to... used to having a female doctor and you're an 11-year-old girl. You're not going to want this weird man. Right, and also they didn't have a father in the house growing up for a lot of the time, apparently. We still don't don't know what happened to him. I don't think they're used to men being around them in a way and the other thing i was thinking of when they're making house calls like that that's a lot more intimate than being in a doctor's office so it's kind of right, a, you're in an your added, bed, you're in an your added, pajamas. Yeah, it's an added but kind of Mike, vulnerability. Yeah, Mike's sexism. And one thing I've noticed as the show has gone on, and this we'll talk about this even more in our next episode, next week's episode, a lot of the gratuitous sexist remarks are... But back then, that was humor. I'm not finished with my sentence. Uh, a lot of the gratuitous sexist remarks are made by the males about the females. There are not nearly as many gratuitous female sexist remarks about men. At one point, Mike says, when the boys are all balking at a female doctor, well, I can't say I blame him. A boy doesn't want a woman doctor. And that's probably why I wrote he's a sexist pig. And then the boys don't believe that there are actually male nurses. I know. Which and, and nobody stupid. corrects them on that either. The girls kick the boys out of their room because they're having an argument about the doctors. But their feminism is used as a joke. Yes, I I noticed that too. Which often happens. It, it and happens, happens now, though. That happens yes, now. Yes, I know. But it happens on the show, and particularly in this episode, where the girls kind of stick up for themselves, but it's treated in a comic and dismissive way. Yes. Yeah, the kids are all sick, so they're playing Monopoly and stuff. One nice thing is they gang up on Cindy and Bobby and kick them out, so it's <laughs> ageism instead of sexism <laughs> for, you know, a very short, relieved time there so the little bit of trickery comes when carol and mike weirdly decide that the kids should choose yes that, that i wrote that there are some head games because, right yes and the, oh yeah so duh what are the kids gonna choose are the boys gonna suddenly want the female doctor are the girls gonna no so that's kind of i always thought it was stupid that why don't they just keep their doctors and then they explain it to the doctors who are very professional about it you know you can tell they they think it's fucked up Maybe it's they're just better actors. And Mike says, may the best man or woman <laughs> win. Like, you know, it's so funny that a woman would win. But and, you know, and one of the things is they're so used to the tri- trickery that they just, it's like they just naturally don't trust each other. Even though they claim to trust each other. And this comes up in some later episodes, too. But everybody's assuming there's going to be trickery and shit. I know. I always thought, even when I was a kid watching this one, why don't they just keep... Two doctors. I know. And Barry says it in his assessment of the episode. I don't know why it took a whole episode for them to come to an obvious solution. I but know. Well, because it's a TV show and they needed a plot. I like the way Mike sexually harasses the woman doctor. Like, he's like, 
I'm not feeling well myself. Yeah, he, and, he asked her to take his temperature. Yeah, no, let me undress her. I can't remember what he says. He's like, let me put my cock in your mouth. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, you know, Greg says to the girls when they're doing their little feminism thing, when are you girls going to give up? And um, how often have we heard that you know in what? life? No, that, you know what it reminded me of? Because I was thinking of, wow, 1970. But then I was thinking, in January, you and I went to Washington. We went to the march on January yes, 21st. A couple different men that I work with made dismissive comments oh yeah me too me too about it must have been shit that they heard on on one of those because they said the same type of thing like comparing us to suffragettes like look what they went through and look at all you guys did was march some stupid shit and it's like you know what fuck you i know so what were we supposed to throw ourselves in front of just dismissive shit right then we don't have any right to march because our lives are already so good right you know well and it's funny you know you mentioned the suffragettes and they went through quite a lot and the stakes were different and the situation was different but they were told the same thing in a lot of ways. It's a hundred years Why can't ago. you be happy with what you have? We Don't we take good care of you? Don't we treat you well? And I was just... What do you gals want? Yeah. I can't figure out what you girls want. Yeah. Why are you persisting yeah. in this? Yeah, why are you causing so much trouble? Yeah. When are you girls going to give up? But then also, I find scenes like this very boring. The whole wackiness with them all being in bed and having their different bells and whistles oh, and reading the, the constant food. If they're sick, are they really eating that much? And then they have all the different lunches, and that's when, Cindy, you mentioned it last, yeah, with last week about the peanut, peanut butter, butter and jelly. jelly. They're like, I want this, I want that. No, that's not good enough. It's like, fuck you. And Just they had to go out and get want. Greg a cowbell because he was banging the bongos. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if that's like what <laughs> made me think of cowbell on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. We need more, more cowbell. cowbell. And they're, and they're so fever. bitchy about it. Peter's like, I hate broccoli. And I'm like, what are they giving? It looks like they're giving them sandwiches and stuff. What the hell's broccoli doing? I know. And it also looks like they give each one of them a different lunch. They were giving each one of them. They were giving them what they wanted. Weird. But then yeah. they changed their minds, apparently. And yeah, because Jan complains about the gravy. And it's like, you know, what the know. fuck are they eating? I don't know. But Maybe. then, of course, when all the bells and stuff are going on, poor Alice has to make the gratuitous no wedding bells yes, for me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I know. That. I wrote about that, that poor Alice is joking about not being married. Then, of course, Carol has to, before they make the decide to make the kids choose the doctors and then realize how stupid that is, Carol has to lecture the girls that sooner or later you're going to have to have a male doctor. And actually, you don't. No, you don't. And even back in the 60s, you could probably find female doctors you if you just wanted to have female doctors. But, you know, she said there's going to come a time when you're going to have to use a male doctor. You but know? no one says that to the boys. Yeah, no one says to the boys... You know, suck it up. Suck. Mike says to Greg, there's no difference between a woman and a man. And Greg says, oh, you're the one who told us about the birds and the bees. Ugh. And then Mike gets that looks like Greg's got a really good point. Oh, Greg's logic. Yes, there is a difference between a woman and a man. But I wanted to say, you know, if this was 2017 or whatever, somebody could have said, well, what does sexual intercourse have to do with whether a doctor can be, what What does the equipment somebody has and what they use it for have to do with how good a doctor they can be? I have no problem with somebody wanting a doctor of the same gender. If a guy wants only male doctor, that's right. fine. And that's how they 
resolve it? They I know. What they think, is, oh, what, they have the a light bulb. logical fucking thing to do. Oh, wait, we, we each use our own doctor. Why can't we use the kid's doctor? And it's all resolved. And then, of course, the two doctors decide to start a practice together, mm. which I feel like means sometimes the kids might end up having to use, because when doctors have a practice together, sometimes you get the doctor if the other one's on right. vacation. So I feel like, and you know when I was watching this in, in some later Battle of the Sexes ones too, I feel like when the storyline is a pure Battle of the Sexes storyline makes the story a lot less creative. There's only so many places they can go and they end up having kind of this repetitive yeah. reactions and solutions kind of thing. And the, I find so far that those are the least satisfying yeah. storylines. Father of the Year. Marsha's reading the paper, strangely. Oh, she's not reading it. I'm sorry. She's picking it up to throw it out. But she notices there's a Father of the Year contest. Well, doesn't something happen to... Make her like her father? Yeah, so <laughs> at the beginning, he's going off to a meeting. Makes him... She needs help with her math Yeah, homework. she needs help. She says, I need help with my homework. And he's like, well, I'm on my way to a meeting. And Carol says, I'll help you, honey. And she's like, Mother, it's math. Like, because girls can't because do math. Girls can't do math. Math is hard. So he helps her and she's all happy about oh, what a great dad to have a dad that's so nice and all this shit. And then she's cleaning up the papers and sees that there's a contest. The father of the father year. Of the year. And she wants to honor her contest. new father. And I think, you know, she was, you and know, he's he a good father. Right. So she decides to write her essay, which leads to all kinds of problems. First of all, she stays up all night writing it. Mm-hmm. She's writing the essay in his study. Oh. Um, Forbidden study oh, yes. because she wants privacy because she was trying to write it in her room and, the, and God forbid you go into dance. Cindy and Jan thought she was writing, writing a, a love, love letter. letter. So Mike comes home and he gets all stern and angry with her. Yes, because he does not want that's he the one thing he seems to get. I know he seems to get very angry when yes, they're in his and his anger his seems realistic too. <laughs> yes. And and so they have it out a little, and I knew says, that whiteout was going to get knocked out. Whenever there's whiteout or anything like that somewhere, it, you know it's going to. It's only there to cause problems. But he says, "What do we say in this house?" And Marcia knows exactly what he's talking about, which came as a shock to me because it's the first and last time I've heard it on this show. And they say lots of things. A wise man forgets his anger before he lies down to sleep. Uh, that so, is a good idea. So Mike is saying that, and then he right. knocks the white out over on his plans, and he's all PO'd. So Marcia gets in trouble and has to do chores all the next day. But she's too busy writing the. She's too I busy wrote, writing this. I wrote, how long? How the fuck long does it maybe take she's to write a stupid maybe she's doing letter. revisions? Well, and it's funny when she's writing it. The sh- she says sounds really just lame. Very and Moronic. But when they later, spoiler alert, she wins, they come to the house. The part they read is actually pretty good, and it's what won the essay. But what it reminded me of was there was an episode of Little House on the Prairie where Laura Ingalls got up in front of the class and read this essay she wrote about her mom, and it was this very evocative and articulate essay about how wonderful her mom was. And I can't remember if she won a contest or not because the show isn't about Little House mm-hmm. on the Prairie. Later, her dad played by Michael Landon, Pa Ingalls, found the actual essay, and all it said in this little tiny kid handwriting was, Ma is good, she cooks, she cleans. 
And Laura got up there and made this big speech, but that was what she had written. Uh, he had to go do the right thing and tell the teacher this was what her essay was. And the teacher's like, yeah, so, you know, and the teacher gave a, I can't remember because it's a long time ago I saw it. But this is what it reminded me of that Marsha's essay was kind of, my dad, blah, blah, blah. He does this, he does that. And it was all, you know, moronic. And then, and even when he punishes me, it's because I deserve it. I know. And after, little, you know what, though, after out. watching The Keepers so I know. soon ago, that creeped I know. me out. Oh, it did. Time. But she gets in trouble and she gets mad at one point, crumples it up and throws it away, but then takes it out and yes. works on it. And then she realizes the deadline is midnight. Yes. So she climbs out the window to go mail. Even though she's already in trouble because she wasn't. He told her she had to do chores because of. Or was that Because she spilled the white out. No, he spilled the white out. Because she was in his study and wasn't supposed yes, to be. Yes, but then he finds out that Jan and Cindy are doing her chores. Right. She made them somehow. Because she's still writing the she's fucking still writing letter. She's still writing the fucking essay. essay. Well, she wanted to make it good. So she gets grounded, and then they decide they're going to go on a ski, tr- ski trip, and oh, wait, Marsh is grounded, and she loves to ski, we find out. These people live in Santa Monica, California. Yeah, but they can drive up to I the know, mountains. they have mountains they go to. But, so, so but they apparently they all ski, except for Alice, which gives us the comic relief of poor Alice being taught to ski on some hay bales that yes. the kids mysteriously... But before that, so she gets caught going out the window. They they decide to... And well, actually, she's missing at first. And my first no, thought is, oh my God, she's abducted. Like No, we see her go out the window. I know, but they oh. come... She's not in her bed and nobody oh. can find her. <laughs> they decide to let her go on the ski trip. But then... She gets caught going out. Oh, yeah, I forgot about coming that. Coming back. She gets caught coming back. She comes back because she had to mail the leather by midnight. And uh, she but goes the thing by is, herself in her nightgown with a coat over it. The thing and, is, it's not going to be postmarked till the next day. But I, I didn't. Maybe she, she went to the post office. Oh, that's true. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. It wouldn't serve the purposes of the... No, but Mike just ping-pongs all over the place in this from... Wanting to punish yes. anger to regret. So they, they tell her she has to go to their grandparent instead of the ski trip. And she's upset. And the, everybody's and upset. Then when she's watching Alice is when she gets upset. Yeah, and starts crying because the other kids are go. torturing Alice. They somehow find bales of hay. Why would Alice even go? See, I know. If I, if were, I were Alice, I'd, I'd be like, like, stay home I'd be and like, relax. I'm staying home. It's going to be nice and quiet. Who's going to feed Tiger? Well, maybe they want Alice to go so she can wait on the fucking kids. Oh, on that's the true. Watch trip. the kids. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't know how to ski. So they, and of course, they have to put her in a costume, including a ski hat, even though it's warm <laughs> out, to teach her how to she ski down these. Yes, yeah, she was. Are you sure? Yes, she was. She was wearing a pom pom cap. Oh yes, she was. Okay, I was thinking of ski. She was ski hat. I was she thinking was of a dressed, ski mask. She was dressed the way somebody would yeah, to rob a Cumberland Farms. <laughs> she was dressed the way somebody like in the forties who was yeah, going yeah, skiing yeah. would dress. Well, because she's so old. But, but the thing is, a former newspaper editor that I really liked about this episode. Was the realism of of the the top executives of the newspaper with the hundreds of envelopes sitting there in obviously a very important man's office in the Uh, newspaper. Four important old white men. And and they, and oh, it's so difficult. We're going to have to work all night to find the winner of this essay contest. And the guy goes. That's the type of thing you guys used to do. It is. You know how they used to determine contest winners? They'd have a committee of reluctant volunteers who would do it on their own time. Yeah. Or have meetings about it. And I guarantee you, the guys who had their own offices, they weren't fucking sitting around reading hundreds of essay. And I like the way the guy goes. And then the lucky winner, like he uses a male pronoun. Then he goes. 
or she, and they're all kind of like, ooh, wow, surprise. And you know, the, yeah. But I have to tell you, the newspaper industry hasn't changed a lot <laughs> 40 years, that it would still be, if the top executives of a newspaper were going to choose a contest winner for this hokey promotional contest, chances are it would still be Foreman. If it were the top. What about executive. Mrs. Pinchon from Blue TV? <laughs> <laughs> the TV guy shows up too because it's a, like a partnership with the newspaper. Apparently, but he's a real drama queen. He's I know it's like he's gay. Like gay. It's weird, like this gay, and it's just this real sudden. It's it reminds me a lot of other episodes where somebody from the newspaper or TV shows up and they just do this quick living room. You know, they show up without any warning. They don't set it up. Um, yeah, it's like they don't call and say, hey, we're going to do a story. Maybe they did, but anyways. And Marcia seems a little show on, slow on the uptake. Like if it were me and I had entered this contest and then they show up, I would have thought, maybe, maybe I won the contest. I the other essays must have sucked. Poor Marcia. But the part they read there yeah, is bad, better yeah. than what we yeah. heard her writing. Or we saw her writing. And it yeah. was basically about, you know, he isn't. He's a her, good father even when she gets in trouble. Well, no, but that. He took on these three kids and is as much of a father to her as any father yes. could be. Even And I'm sorry I don't have the exact words for it, but it was what you would want her to say yes. in that essay to win That's it and give the it a situation. Last. But this is one of the last ones that addresses the... Yeah, it peters out, the whole addressing the step situation. It, it comes up once in a while, Yeah, but it really peters out and they could have done more recognition of it in this one thing about this and i know it's a sitcom you never get those situations where somebody's like well you're not my real father you're not my real mother i know which i'm sure happens but it's got a big happy ending and i think mike regrets a little that he was so hard on marcia but on the other hand marcia she she went into his study. Well, she did a lot of things she wasn't supposed to do. She snuck out her window. She yeah, she did all sorts of shit. She could. But I done. noticed too the rapport they had. Like when the first time she got in trouble and she knocked on his door after she went into the study the next morning. He said, "We'll talk about your punishment in the morning." She came to his room before she went to school. He's like, "Are you ready for your punishment?" <laughs> Wait, that sounds bad. Yeah, just... But they had it almost yes. felt natural yes. that they were a girl and her stepfather, father, who were good friends. And she was, she knew she had done something wrong and was willing to, and I felt it was a very natural scene. I yes. kind of, well, I think that Maureen McCormick is a very good actress. Door. She is next week when we talk about the braces one there, I think yes. she did some really she good stuff She did talk that. about that in her book. And Bob Reed, even though the Schwartzes were hard on him and I don't blame them. He did have his good moments. I thought he was. I think he's a good actor. They they just the the best either of them will say is he's a competent actor. Yes, but he does thought have he scenes. was much better than he was. But I think he does. Honest to God, I think he's a good actor because, like I've said before, and since reading the you books, cannot watch that show and get that he didn't like no, what he was no. doing. No, you can't watch it and see that he hated him. I mean, the the way they you know even scenes like the Schwartzes specifically talk yes. about. And there's one we'll talk about next week. Yeah. He sold it. Yeah, he did he it. He nailed did it. A good job. I mean, and but I can understand. And I can understand the with someone like him, especially Lloyd Schwartz, like we talked about last week. It was on set all the time, and he had to hear Bob Reed talk about his dad, say really and shitty he was things about his close dad. To his and, and this guy was complaining shit. publicly to everybody, yes, so everybody could hear it. And Lloyd Schwartz couldn't say anything about it. Yeah, and that must have been a difficult thing. Yeah, it was thing. probably hard. But you know, they get the last laugh by writing their book and shitting all over. Yeah. Him. 
So that was okay. Father of the Year. That was a Marsha-centric episode because it now was. they're getting, they're phasing in more episodes centered uh, yes, around a certain I kid. That although, after I read that in the book. Right. So they haven't totally gone that way yet, but I think they're finding when they do that, when they focus on one kid, the storyline can be a little richer. So the next one we're going to talk about. Trading stamps. Yeah. Another thing like the phone. episode 15 called 5440 and Fight. Yeah, so 5440 and Fight is a reference that we remember from history class when they were arguing over the, and I don't remember the specifics, but the the border between Oregon and California and blah, blah, blah. So basically it's pitting boys versus girls. Some of you, if you watch this, if you're younger, you wouldn't understand these trading trading stamps. stamps and what happened was when mom went to the grocery store depending on how much you how spent. much money you spent although yeah. they would give you trading stamps and these trading stamps companies had catalogs you put them in stamp books and then when you got a certain amount you could get but they had a store there was one on western avenue and i can't remember which one it was when we were growing up that it would be kind of like a it's hard to explain to to anyone that had like service merchandise was the same thing you go in and you'd see the merchandise but you didn't you didn't take, take it, home, it with you. home with you except for you would order it it was like yeah. a catalog store that showed that, that showed what your uh, merchandise items. would look like it was a promotional gimmick to get people to go to a certain grocery yeah. store they still do have stuff like shaw's they give out stamps where you can get they had the rachel ray pot yeah. oh yeah okay different dishes and so any again this is another boys versus I, girls they're saving up their their stamps the boys have 54 Apparently books. they have been saving since, obviously, before Mike and Carol got married. Yes. One of them has 54 books and the other has 40. Neither of them have enough to get anything decent. And the boys are saving for a rowboat. And, and the, the girls, girls are, are saving, saving for a sewing machine. machine. Both very boring things. If you and me. they find out that the stamp company is going out of business in, I don't know. They read many. it in the paper. Yes. Once again, newspapers. Well, play that was part. all they had then. The other thing that happens is Alice actually ends up having a bunch of stamps she gives them. I think, yeah, Alice has all these. They fight over those instead of just splitting them up. They finally agree to combine the stamps and get something everybody would like. Well, what happens is they're supposed to agree on something, and they go through the catalogs, and they can't agree. So they leave it up to Mike and Carol because the kids, the girls still want the sewing machine, and the boys still want the rowboat after going through the catalog. And so Mike and Carol... Why would they want a fucking rowboat? I don't know. They don't live near... Well, Santa Monica's like... On Do, the ocean. But they don't really live in Santa Monica. He just said they I did. I <laughs> to trick but, Robert Reese. So, the, yes. So, they let regardless. Mike and Carol decide. And it's typical Brady trickery. Instead, Instead of Mike of, and Carol... Oh, Carol wants to get a grandfather clock. Yeah. <laughs> like, who the fuck wants that? And they decide to have a stupid contest. They come up with a bunch of different ideas for a contest. And then they decide a game of skill or something that would everyone would be... Either equally good or equally poor at, I don't know. Which was very hard for them to come up with. Yeah. Because boys and girls are so... Well, you know. You know, have such different skills. And one thing I wanted to bring up, too, before we get to that part is... So Alice gives them splits her stamps between the two of them. Yes. And they're all putting them in their books and stuff, and then they accuse each other of stealing her stamps, and even though they're not anywhere near each other. And then poor Tiger. Oh, poor Tiger, because Alice was giving him a bath. Yes. Comes out <laughs> covered with stamps. So Tiger, again. <laughs> animal abuse. Yeah. Um, poor Tiger, once again, is... Poor dog. 
Yeah. And that, that's one of the last times we see Tiger. And, and then, of course, we got Mike's classic, the line he probably says more than any other line, this has gone far enough. But also, before that, I want to say that the boys and girls were fighting over the stamps, and the girls said that they should get Alice's stamps because grocery shopping is a woman's yes, job. Yes, I wrote and that And the time. boys said that eating the groceries is a boy's job. Yeah, a man's job. The boys always re- almost always refer to themselves as men, yes. unless it's not convenient for them, too, as we'll see in a later episode. So, yes, poor Tiger covered with yeah. oh so then when they're talking about what competition they're going to do one of the ideas was a pool game which we've never seen them with a pool table yeah so. where, that's what I thought where in that house is the but pool didn't they ta- win a pool table someone give them a pool? later in the yeah, series it was later but, but uh, so but it, they're like girls don't play girls pool. don't play pool right and I wondered oh maybe they'll go to a billiards hall somewhere in seedy downtown Los Angeles <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, Alice is eavesdropping but she always is so I don't yeah really she's know. pretending she's dusting while they're talking instead of just saying in Mike's study and and he's like you don't need to dust now or something she's like well you won't be having this conversation later or something like so she can't just come in and, well she is a hired help so they end up deciding this bizarre way of choosing is they're going to build a house of cards yeah because Carol says I guess at some point when they're trying to still figure it out Carol says I guess there's just no fair competition between boys and girls and nobody disagrees with her, so it's yet another... Whatever. You know, if kids didn't think before watching the Brady Bunch there was supposed to be a separation <laughs> of the sexes, if it never occurred to them, they're beginning to... Well, hopefully, that if any modern kids are watching it, they'll be like, why, this is fucked up. I mean, like I said, it was 50 years ago, almost, so... So so they do this house of cards. Why doesn't Marsha take her bracelet off? Marsha's She's wearing a, a dangly bracelet, bracelet yeah. that as the house of cards grows higher, you're sure, this adds the suspense and drama, you're sure the bracelet is going to knock the cards down. And she kind of tries to pull it back on her wrist as she's putting the card. Just take the friggin' bracelet. What is it, welded to her wrist? <laughs> Maybe it's an electronic bracelet. <laughs> I for, don't know. You know. What happens before that the boys are like, well, if it had fallen down, it would have been your turn and you would have lost. I might have the been bracelet. the bracelet. So then it's the boys' turn, and fucking Tiger runs <laughs> in the room. He just, he just randomly <laughs> runs into the room, jumps up on the table, and knocks down the house of cards, and then runs out. <laughs> fucking Tiger. Tiger. Well, I feel bad for that dog that had to play Tiger. That this is like the this third is, This tiger. is the third one, the better one, because that one, that yeah, was they, just they only had for one. The, one episode, the, the ones they had thing. to nail, The one they had to nail to the floor. Aww. And then they argue briefly about should then, the boys really have lost. And then for some reason, this it took them so long to figure out a competition that the store... Is closed. almost closed when they get there to pick out their thing, and it's the last day of it being open. And the poor guy looks like he wants to kill and himself. Typical. I hate those kind of customers that you're in the store and they're opening or open. closing up, and they use Cindy's little girl charm oh, to force God. him. Please, Mister. And no, no. And then of course they have to do the sitcom Brady give the convoluted explanation that you expect the other person to pay attention to and understand. And he doesn't really. And give then a we shit. have the House of Cards, and then blah blah blah, blah and then. Blah, and the and guy's, the guy's like, like, I don't fucking care. Just take something, for God's sake. So they end up picking a color TV, which and is funny. They don't let us see that. We think they're choosing between sewing machines and but, robots. But then, you think that all the good things would be gone by then, though. And so the boys are all sitting there glumly. Poor in, boys. In the they living room. It's going to be a sewing machine. Is the, for the big unveil, right? And they bring the box in. I don't think a sewing machine would cost less than, but maybe it's a fancy sewing Who machine. Who knows? And TVs, yeah. Well, then a, then a robot. I yeah, I it's not none of the things are equal. 
in mm, any way. No. But in any case, they unveil the TV, and it's the only time you see the TV in the living room. No, the other time is they're watching it one time in the okay. living room. But, but yeah. it's where the camera is, yeah. so we wouldn't just see like it anyway. the, Just, just like, like in All in the Family. family yeah. Only All in the Family, they do it to better effect yes. lots of times. To have Archie and Edith, but that's a different show. And then everybody's happy because it's a TV. Yeah. And the boys are all, you know, but what I couldn't understand, and I actually remember not being able to understand this as a child either, the TV must have been in the catalog. Why didn't they all choose a TV when they were going through the catalogs? Were they so, maybe the boys were so set on a rowboat? Yes. They had probably picked out what they wanted a long time ago, and they were both like had their hearts set on this one thing, and they didn't really look at anything else. Now we come to one of my favorite episodes. Mike's Horror Scope. Yes. That is episode 16. Yes. And my, my favorite quotes come from this one. Because, and this is, well, this is a parent-centric one. It is a parent. I find it very humorous. At the beginning, they're talking about horoscopes. And, well, Mike and Carol apparently read the paper in bed in the morning. Before they go to bed. Before they go to bed, they read it. And so... Carol's reading the horoscope, and Mike says that he will, what does it say? You will meet a strange woman, woman. or you will encounter a strange woman. And they joke about that. And then the next morning... Although Carol's nervous about it. Yes. Carol has a little nervous look on her face. But the next morning, because she's still thinking about it, Carol, Mm -hmm. and she's talking to Alice about it and talking about how Martha, her friend Martha, insists that she follow. Martha insists I follow mine. It's like, who the hell is Martha? Fuck her. Yeah, I know. And then, of course, Alice poo-poos it, and then Carol tricks her yes. by asking her what her horoscope yes. said, and Alice repeated her horoscope, yes. and then they both had a laugh because Carol caught Alice out <laughs> that Alice. way. So it's like 2 in the afternoon, and Mike calls home. Or, or they're on, he's on the phone to Carol, and he's like, well, no strange woman is coming my, come into my, my life. life. Yeah. Yeah. And then who comes in but Bibi Galini? She has an indecipherable accent, European accent, who's played by Abby Lane, who was actually, fun fact was married to Xavier Cougat, who was married to Charo. Charo. And maybe still married to Charo. These are all 60s. I think Charo's still around. Wasn't she on Dancing with the Stars? She may have been. But Bibi's very over the top. She's all in pink. And she's what? She's a perfume magnate. She's a cosmetic. cosmetic. She's a cosmetic. And she wants Mike to build her new factory because he is the best. Yes. First of all, she's got the super gay male secretary. Yeah. Because she wouldn't have, she would have a male secretary maybe because she's a powerful woman, supposedly. Yes. But of course, he can't be a masculine. No, she has to, exactly. I was going to make the same point. He has to be emasculated. He has to be super gay. She can't gay have and, a manly, like, although stud he seems muffin. Like a nice person. He does seem like a nice person. But the thing I feel like when she comes in, she says, I would introduce myself, but everyone knows who Bibi Galini is. Even people on the street come up to me and say, it's Bibi. <laughs> and I always say to them, hello, my darling. <laughs> and Mike, of course, is a little... Mike doesn't know what to do. No, he doesn't. In fact, this is one episode where Mike is definitely just not on his game. No. She's a well-known, apparently a well-known person. Mm-hmm. And he stays up all night designing her factory, but she wants it to look like a powder puff. And I remember this one when I was little because I liked the powder puff factory. She wanted it to either look like a powder puff, which in his drawing it looks like a spaceship to me. Or it does. she wanted it thing. to look like a lipstick, which would be kind of phallic. So it, and also, it wouldn't work for, as a factory. Mike tries to explain the engineering issues. She doesn't care. She about doesn't it. give a shit. She wants it. She wants it to be puffier. She wants the, <laughs> to be fluffy, <laughs> fluffier, fluffier. So, the so they're going to go on an all-day fishing trip yes. with the boys. And BB calls up and needs Mike's services on a Saturday. And Carol's already getting a little jealous. 
little because jealous. Because it's Bibi Galini that yeah, everyone so knows the beautiful, she And is. I'm like, okay, I guess she's supposed to be beautiful. And but well, this she's, another... she's kind of like, I think when you think of, when I think of someone like, who's not necessarily beautiful, but like Cher or somebody right. that is it's like, oh my men. God, I don't want her talking to my guy. Or, right. Yeah. But Cher, she'll, yeah. she'll put her hooks into him. And, but but I... they have one of these, just as a little tangent, one of the things that always bugs me about the show, but because they're going and Carol's going to take the boys fishing because Mike has to work with Bibi, everybody's in a little costume. Yes. With Alice flannel and shirts. both wearing flannel shirts. And jeans. Like, people can't just wear their old clothes. They have to be in... And Carol has to have the hat on kind of sideways in this goofy kind of... Like, she's going to do a little dance on Broadway or something. Alice can't do anything. She can't ski... She gets seasick. She I can't know, ride a fucking horse. Why do they keep forcing Why her do to they do make this? Her do She's stuff. the fucking maid. But the one thing I want to say, the, the thing that kind of bothers me about this, even though it's funny. funny I, I found it humorous, but it almost felt like it belonged with a different TV show. Yeah, BB was funny. But the thing that bothered me is she owns a cosmetic company. She runs a cosmetic company. Instead of being a savvy businesswoman... She's portrayed as this flighty, yes, um, irrational, silly. silly, irrational. Now, I mean, everything's done in broad strokes on this thing. I mean, they could have made her a decent businesswoman without, and someone who d- wasn't interested in details about how to build the factory. She just wanted, but they made her this really. Right. And then he, and then he, and also the thing is too. I mean, how did she get so and successful? The thing is too. He's an architect, not a decorator, and she has all these like swatches and stuff for him, and wants things pink. Well, that's not his job. No, I to decide what color things are going to be. I know this. And also, so the climax of the show is she comes to the house. And I think it's cute. Now, here's a thing that they do well, and they have these little moments. And this is one of the things that I have to believe is just a Florence Henderson, Robert Reed thing. It's not necessarily in the script. It's not from a director. But somebody knocks on the door, and they kind of playfully, oh, I'm going to get it. Oh, I'm going to kind of run for the door and kind of like play wrestle yes, with I wrote that and they're kiss. Frisky. Yes, they're frisky. And it's cute. And it's very, I think it's very nicely believable. done. Yes. And it adds an element to the show that makes you feel these aren't cartoon characters, but real people. Well, that's the th- one thing, like I said before, that I like about their... I don't know if there was a couple before them that I watched, especially as a child, that were that affectionate with each other. Right. And it's nice to see. It is nice. And then... So, so, so BB shows up, even though, and the kids who are usually polite, but for purposes of the show are wicked rude. And we would have been smacked and good for that kind of behavior. Peter's plane takes off from the other room, his model plane, and it hits um, BB in the head and the head and knocks her. She's (laughs) going to some fundraiser fundraiser, and and he doesn't even really apologize No, and nobody gets mad at him or makes him. And then he runs off and then Bobby and Cindy come in and squirt her with squirt guns and run by and just and squirt her. Cindy's like, Mommy, her tears are black. She's crying yeah, black tears. I know. But nobody, but be, nobody I mean, for the purpose, you know. No, cause, cause they the, don't apologize at all. I mean, I know she's a rude person, but that doesn't mean you have a right Right, to, and the kids are acting ruder than normal yes. just for purposes yes. of the show because that's one thing that always bugs me when, when personalities and situations change just for a plot purpose. Yes. Like this, and, but of course it drives BB away, and Mike doesn't care if he's going to lose the account because he'd rather spend time with his family. I think yeah. at some point Carol gives an impassioned "we're one family" speech to Mike earlier when he's not spending enough time oh, with him yes. because he's spending time with BB because he's working with BB all the time. And I kind of liked that episode. But it's also a very weird episode for the show. I think they were still feeling their way. It was kind of a weird. I remember, but I remembered it from when I was. I did too. Especially, I remembered his architectural drawings. Right. For some reason.
reason I remember. Because it seemed very, because you're an yeah. artist. Because it, it looked like a spaceship. I'm like, I like that one. Why doesn't she like that? Okay, so episode 17 is The Undergraduate. First of all, the the title, I like the way they kind of take their the titles of the episodes. They're not necessarily for kids. And this is, of course, The Graduate. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. And it had just come out a couple years before. Greg has a crush on his teacher. Well, we find out that out later. Greg, Greg is acting lovesick, although no one knows what's wrong with him. Because, of course, in typical sitcom style, they can't. He, he can't he, just he, tell yeah, someone. People I, can't just c- communicate. And, you know, there's a repeated joke that's not only on this sitcom, but other ones. And I, I never enjoyed it, and I get tired of it now, that whenever someone's taking somebody's temperature or somebody's at the dentist or something, there's something in somebody's mouth, then they ask them questions and the person tries to answer and blah, blah, blah. I don't find it funny. I just want to get through it and get it over with so they can get on with the story. Yeah. And so that happens because they're taking Greg's temperature. Like, constantly. Because he's moping around and acting all dreamy and he flunked a test. Now, why wouldn't they just assume he's on <coughs> drugs? That's what I, I would have assumed. He's flunked math. So he goes into Marshall's yes, room. Yes, this is a great scene. This is this a, good is a scene. great and Barry scene. Williams a very good a very Barry Williams job. scene. So he's asking her what girls like in a guy. Yeah, yeah, and she's good. not really paying attention. An older guy. And she's sewing. She's not paying attention. He's yeah, and he's standing behind her um, looking and in looking in the mirror. The mirror <laughs> and she's kind of dreamily talking about, you know, Steve McQueen. Steve she McQueen. Be rugged like, like Steve she McQueen. She the guys of the time, which is yeah, funny too. And it's funny too, yeah, because there's Steve McQueen. Although Dean Martin I don't agree with, like, suave like Dean Martin. But he, then as funny. she mentions these different guys, <laughs> he's, acting, he's acting like them. And it's really cute. It's and It's really cute. Good. And, and so Steve made me laugh. Talks, dashing like Paul Newman. I don't yes. think she's just handsome. And she says, innocent like Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and he does a great little Dustin Hoffman physical. And it kind of shows he's a good physical actor. Yeah, he's Because he physically kind of slouches and yeah. looks a little and like then, Dustin Hoffman. And then Dean Martin in the end. He's and Dean Martin. And I enjoy that scene more now as an adult. Yes, than I, I ever too, would have as a kid. Yes, but it also shows too. when you're a kid, you don't think about it much about whether someone's a good actor or not. I don't think you just watch it. But like as an adult watching him, he definitely was very talented. Then they find these love letters to Alinda and his yes, Linda. Linda. And they think that it must be some girl in his school. So they do their trickery. Yes, and they're spying. spying. All, they're very, they're very asking. Instead of just very involved. Right. So Cindy Greg, hey, I found this letter. Talk to about Linda. helicopter Linda? parents. I know. Right. And so they, and like, they I don't know bring why up they the name Linda. Finding Linda right. is going to So solve Alice anything. and Carol, because I think they think he's lovelorn, I like guess. unrequited love. So Alice and Carol, which it is, mm-hmm. Alice and mm-hmm. Carol go to the different kids and Instead of just saying, hey, do you know some Linda that Greg knows? Yeah. They do little tricks to try to find <laughs> out what they know. Jan, th- Jan thinks. <laughs> so so what is Alice asking Jan? I can't remember. What's a good name for a girl? Or do you think Linda's a nice name for a girl or something? And, and Yeah, so Jan takes it that Carol's having a baby. Yes. Which could have been a whole episode in itself. Yes. But it because of lack um, of... But they tapped at that on one. Oh, and then, and, then, and then Alice is asking Cindy. Cindy, yeah. Now, why Cindy would hang out with the same people Cindy Greg. likes Carrie Kitty Carrie all as a name. Yeah, she thinks it's a beautiful name. Yes. And uh, so anyway, they um because Cindy they determine a, it's this since there are no Lindas in his class, it's another poor this poor girl Linda. So Marsha comes home 
one day with these two girls or three girls are working on some project and one of them's new from seattle and yes. her name is linda and she's a horrible actress sorry whatever you're well, she's probably the daughter is. they used a lot of daughters and sons of cast of people in the crew and so producers. yeah and carol's like very is super interested in this linda until greg comes home and they don't know each they other and they no don't spark. know each other so and they find out it's the teacher because dad figures it out because greg's flunking math and she writes a note, and she wants to meet with with Mr. Brady. Apparently, Carol's not going. I don't know why she. Well, because it's boy, because parents. there there is some man to man stuff in this episode. Yeah. And actually, before he does that, Mike decides to have a man to man talk with and Greg, Greg. Says we already had that. We talk already had man. so. And and there's a point where Carol is is concerned about Greg about breaking and, and again his broken heart. And Mike's right. Like, oh, boys can shrug it off easily than girls, which I think is untrue. But in any case, when Mike has the man to man talk, and Greg thinks. Or wants to, and Greg thinks it's about the birds and the bees and says, you know, we already had that. And then Mike's kind of befuddled and wanders off. If it were a different show, and a <laughs> drama, not a comedy, and a show that took place maybe now where people were more enlightened to some extent, maybe Mike could have had a talk with Greg about, well, we talked about the birds and the bees, but we didn't talk about relationships and how to treat women and stuff. But that's not going to happen on this yeah. show. The other thing, I think it's Alice is making something cake or cookies or she's something. always making something then alice somebody wants to lick the bowl i think it's bobby or something yeah someone's like can i lick the bowl and she's like sure and i was like well that's definitely not today because people are always like salmonella you're gonna yeah, get well salmon- i've never gotten salmonella no, in I. in 50 plus I've years of licking of the bowl and i still lick the bowl i do too and I would never keep my kids from licking the bowl if I had kids because that's one of the pleasures in life. It Especially is. brownies. I know. Brownies. It's so good. Uh, yeah. it's good. He goes to school. Mike goes to Mike talk goes about... To, and apparently Greg is there. Well, She's Greg was saying... You, the scene yeah. opens where he's there after class sitting in his desk just staring moonily at her like he's in a lover's trance and she sends him off on some errand she knows mike's coming and mike comes in and she, and she mentions her fiance and he my well, fiance. She doesn't talk about oh, him yet she's i don't understand maybe we're not connecting and mike keeps making all these double meaning yes. things oh you're, i think you're connecting really well which of course if i were having that conversation with with him i'd be like what the fuck is he talking about like yeah. he, he keeps making all these jokes and then she does mention that maybe if her, her fiancé, he works in baseball. And he could talk to Greg. Bob, and yeah. Mike says, oh, is that your fiancé sitting in the car out there? Because Mike just happened to walk by a car outside that had a major league baseball player sitting in it. And so he puts West two and two Parker. together. West Parker of the, of Los, the Angeles Los Angeles Dodgers. One of the, the first of many Los Angeles <laughs> To Dodgers. wander onto the set. So Mike leaves to go get this. He says he has to go do something. He's like, well, just hold on a minute. And uh, Greg comes back and he wants, where's my dad? Oh, he went to the car to get something. Well, he comes back in with Wes Parker. Mm-hmm. And Greg's male crush. He loves lust. baseball more than he loves yes, women. His lust for baseball. <laughs> right. And Wes says, if you get an A in the class, you can... He's going to give him a couple tickets to uh, Dodgers yeah. game. So, of course, Greg decides yeah, that. So he no longer is in love. Solved. Yep. So he doesn't have a crush on her and anymore. And this, again, is a... Now it's a Greg-centric episode. Yeah. So And it's not the first one where Greg is in love with a baseball player. I mean, it is the first one. Yeah, not the but last not the last. One. Speaking of last, Tiger, Tiger. This is the last episode we're going to talk about 
in this episode. This episode. So Tiger. I wrote Tiger is a shitty dog actor, but I didn't realize mm. that it's not the original this Tiger. This is the third Tiger this actor. Third tiger. We won't go through the whole Tiger thing because we talked about it last week. Yes. But this one, yeah, his snout's a different color and He's stuff totally and different. He's got blue eyes and a white snout, and the old one had brown eyes. And he's a, a little different shape. Watching them all in succession like this, I've noticed. You see. But when I was a kid, I didn't notice. He was a shaggy dog. And this is a Bobby episode, and it's one of Bobby's, you know, they have different themes for different kids. Yeah. And like Bobby, it's this adorable little boy lost. I, I think in 1970, people didn't really care about fixing their dogs as much as they do now. No. Neutering them. But Tiger's behavior is not natural. Oh, going to, yeah. Going to visit Usually, his no, babies. Spoiler alert. His babies, but no. anyway, so Bobby's playing with Tiger, and it's so cute. He, that little boy is just so he adorable. Was so cute. He yes. was just an adorable little boy, and he's playing with Tiger mm-hmm. and goes in to feed him. And comes back, goes in to get the food, because like, poor Tiger gone. lives outside, except for when he's not outside. And Tiger's gone. Except for when he's inside knocking shit over, <laughs> no, stealing no. stuff. So, he, so, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, Mike's about to go to play golf. Get, right. Well, first of all, they get the Alice will never get married joke out of the way right away. Oh, yeah. So I just want to point that out because I'm, I'm pointing out because next week there's something about Alice I want to talk about. Okay. And I so I want to stress that every episode. Yes. Alice, Alice has to. And she has to put herself down somehow. And I'll never get married. Nobody will ever want to marry me. So Tiger disappears and he doesn't come back. For I guess overnight he's gone overnight. Enough. And Bobby wants to camp outside waiting for yeah, him. Yeah, and Bobby's very so they decide putting that out of the paper. By a car, I guess. Yes. Well, I would be too. It's it's concerning when your dog doesn't come yes, home or I your know. cat. They put an ad in the paper and they all chip well, in. I just want to say about putting the ad. Yeah. First of all, they have this lengthy thing where Mike is going to offer twenty five dollars, and then all the kids get their money together, the boys and then the girls, and it's lengthy. And I found it a little boring. And I have to say, as a kid, I probably found it boring too because mm-hmm. I just. It's like, just get through this, get through this. Yeah. But one interesting thing, I thought this might be a Robert Reed ad lib. I'm beginning to notice when um he goes to call the paper to put in the ad, he goes, well, I'm going to have to look up the number first because I can just see Robert <laughs> Reed saying, Mike isn't going to know the number to call. I know. Well, actually, that's nice because that used to bug me all the time. Yes, like, Especially how do they know the soap number? operas, they used to do it all the time. They just call people without even checking for the number. And of course, I appreciate that. So they call and put the ad in. Of course, they have a montage of people showing up with the wrong dogs. Yeah, so then, of course, we have to go through this. They think maybe robbers took Tiger because they're going to come back and rob the house, which I think is kind of kind a stretch. Of jumping to conclusions. I would think more that Tiger but I think was either it's Alice and Carol that come up with that. Because they're really. wacky women with their yeah, wacky. You know how women jump to conclusions all the time. Bobby guilts Mike out of his precious golf game oh and and also there's a gratuitous more gratuitous female bashing and there's much more of that than gratuitous there's no male bashing well right? but they didn't even but know when the girls give when the girls add their money to the tiger reward fund greg says or i think it's greg i can't remember one of the boys says you guys are really nice considering you guys are girls that's something <laughs> Bobby or Peter would say. Yeah, it's more of a Peter line. It sounds like something Peter would say, actually. So they look everywhere for Tiger, and then there's this long involved thing where they do spot him, and then they're all running to different pay phones, calling back. Because home. nobody has a and cell phone. Alice and Carol are sitting by the phone. And also, you picture, and this is definitely not a 2017 thing, so the kids, as young as they are, Peter's 11 and whatever, are out there on their bikes or whatever by themselves yeah, riding around the city streets. Which street. we used to do. Yep. 
And one cute little thing I noticed, remember how in the first episode, Bobby had that picture of his mom in a frame? Mm -hmm. Well, in this episode, he has a picture of Tiger in a frame. And I have to tell you, no, none of those kids do looking sad and forlorn Mm. the way that. um, Yeah, he definitely does. does. And he's very sad and lost. It's another, it's just Bobby little boy lost. Well, Tiger's his only friend. I also thought it was interesting that Marsha, when they were out looking for him, was going to Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. yeah. But they finally find this very nice lady because Tiger had become a dad. And apparently he's been going over there a lot. To visit his family. And she could never get a chance to see his tags. Because I was thinking when I was watching, doesn't he have tags and a collar? Yeah, they said Tiger Brady, they mentioned earlier in the... She said she couldn't get a a good look at at his tags. Which I I always feel like Robert Reed made them say that. Because every time there was something like that, Well, you know what happened to me one day? And I took pictures of the doggy. Well, there was a guy walking his dog and another dog walking with him in front of my house. He went into his house... And I said, well, is this your dog? Because the other dog was a little border. What was the kind of dog in that movie, Babe? Those white... And- I, I never saw the movie, Babe, but, but I think it was white, a border collie. Yeah, a border collie. So she came over to my yard, and I was Hannah and I were on our way out to go somewhere. I said, isn't this your dog? And the guy's like, no, she was just following me on my walk. And I was like, well, where is she from? And he's like, I don't know. I've seen her around the neighborhood. She'll probably make her way back to her house. And I was like, well, I can't just leave this dog here. She did have tags on, and I had a phone number, so I called the number, and it was some woman, and she's like, oh, I'll call my husband at work. He'll be right there. Of course, it took him over an hour to get there, and I had to friggin' entertain this dog. But the weird thing is about the dog, her tag said her name, which was Maple, which is a kind of an interesting name, but it was like... Oh, that's a nice name. The family that owned her's last name was Milliken. Same spell, the same as ours. I know, isn't that weird? Like, I didn't notice it at first, I because I looked on the other side of the phone number, and then when I looked at her tag, I'm like, wow, that's really a weird coincidence. And then when the guy finally came to pick her up, I'm like, oh, your name's Milliken, so is mine. And he's like, oh, oh. And he didn't care as much as you did. No. Oh, he's like, sorry, she got up. Because I asked the woman, I said, well, what's your address? I'll just bring her over because I'm on my way. And she's like, oh, my husband will come pick her up. I felt like saying, lady, you don't want me to know your fucking address, but you, your dog is loose. You know, she's like, well, my mother-in-law's over there watching the kids. And I felt like saying, I'm just going to leave, but I didn't. Uh, Anyways, that cool story, (laughs) bro. Cool story, bro. So anyway, so Tiger is at this house. And we find out he's a daddy. Yes. And then it, there's a cute scene at the end with Bobby feeding him and Bobby overfills the food bowl. Yes. Well, nowadays because there'd be a freaking lawsuit. For, your, yeah. un, your unneutered dog came in and impregnated, impregnated my, my dog. fucking dog. And just as far as lost Thank dogs go, it is upsetting. And I'll tell, uh, I hope I won't go on and on. Like but, my story. Yeah, I was going to say that. But I had two dogs, Emma and Dewey, and they were both corgi mixes, which are very smart little herding dogs. And my friend Rhonda and I were out walking in um, a state forest in New Hampshire mm-hmm. that with the two dogs that, you know, it has all these old logging roads and stuff. And, and serial killers. And serial killers. Yeah, it's very nerve-wracking. We're on a road we hadn't been on before. And I would take the dogs off the leash. And Emma particularly was very good. She'd run up a little ahead and then come back. She was very interested in hurting us. And I could always hear her little tags jingling. And we realized that Emma was nowhere to be found. Oh. And I called and called and called her. And she didn't come, which was very unusual for her. And 
we put Dewey back on his leash because we didn't want him taken off too. And in like half an hour, 45 minutes, we're looking, I'm calling. I mean, she would always come when she was called. Mm-hmm. She was a very good little dog. And I said to Rhonda, I'm going to be one of those friggin' people. And this was about 45 minutes from my house. So I'm like, you know, am I going to come back every day and look for Emma? Aww. Am I going to put signs up? And finally, I saw her way down, it's this old logging road, way, way down, and she's just sitting there. And so I called her, and she didn't come, and which was unusual. And because she was very concerned about people and hurting people, yes. and she wanted, she was a Sheltie Corgi mix. And so oh, I went down, and so I put cute. her leash on her. I was so relieved. And I said, Come on, Emma. Come back, because Rhonda and Dewey were, um, you know, maybe a quarter mile up the road, and she didn't want to come. But she finally came. She looked kind of pissed off and came. We're lost. We didn't know where we were. So we decided to go back down the road in the direction Emma had been in, and it turned out we got down there. Right past where she was, there was a big cutout through the trees in the parking lot to the car, the parking lot with the car, and it was right there. So Emma had not been lost at all. She had known where the car was, and she was trying to make me realize the reason she wasn't coming is she was waiting there for us because oh, she wanted us to go to the car. So and immediately smart. I let her off her leash and she ran right to my I car. I thought she was gonna, you were going to say she found a dead body. I wish. That's no. never happened to me. So, um, oh, well, I have one thing to say. At the end, oh. Bobby's hugging Tiger and he says, it's good to have the old Tiger back. Mm. I thought that was kind of ironic. It was ironic and a little sad. And, and I think this was the last time we actually see Tiger. We actually Tiger. see Tiger. He's referred to. He's referred to in the later episode. But he is not there. And Sherwood Schwartz mentions in his book, you know, the original conception was a family, the kids and the dog. But the dog thing just didn't work out. And as a writer, I have to say, people always say, don't put a dog in your book because you're going to have to do shit with it and it's going to be a pain in the ass. In honor of Tiger, (laughs) my Tiki Talk fact of the week from Erica Wolk's Bradypedia is not from this bunch of shows, okay? But it's about the pilot. But it has, but it's a tiger. I All think right. and this is kind of our tribute to tiger. <laughs> in the first eight drafts of the pilot episode, there is no tiger and no fluffy. What? Instead, Bobby secretes a hamster named Skipper away in his no. suit jacket pocket. Yeah, the hamster escapes at the end of the c- ceremony. Cindy screams, and Skipper runs amok through the crowd. Where a lady kicks it, sending ah! the hapless rodent flying into the pipe ah! hole. <laughs> you know, animal cruelty just does not work for me. No, I like that. Actually, dog and cat chasing chase was, was funny. classic. And, you know, and I always wondered how they managed to do that. Trained animals are very smart. Like I'm going to the cat circus in in August. Can I go with you? Yes, but you have to get a ticket. Okay. I've got a question about the Bradypedia. Okay. They have a picture on the front of the kids in a sack race, and I don't remember, unless it's in season two or something. And it it looks posed, because Alice, the way everybody's looking, I would say it's season one or season two. So maybe it was just a publicity shot. It may have been. Maybe we can find out for a later episode. Kind of, yeah. I need to find out. Well, my favorite quotes, it's like a twofer, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not really sorry, sorry not sorry, hashtag. I can't help but notice sometimes the double entendre. We are E for explicit. I'm going to try not to be really dirty with this. But as you know, pink is a euphemism for female, I'm sorry, genitalia. This is kind of a twofer because it's the it's the reference. Okay. So B.B. Galini, this is from the Mike's Horror, Horror Scope episode, is sitting on Mike's desk. Mike's in his chair, so his face is fairly close to her crotch. And she's talking about pink which she loves, and everything's pink, and she feels pink, and she hears pink, and she's about whatever. Yes. And she says to him, you see the pink? 
And the look Mike gives her is priceless, and I couldn't help but feel because of where his face was in proximity. Yeah. But a little later, you know, Carol's been fishing with the boys. Yes, because Mike had to miss the fishing trip. And Carol's Phoebe. a little jealous because he's been out all very a, late. And, and she, she fell in a bucket And of she's fish. thinking, right, and she fell in a bucket of fish, but also she's in bed waiting up for him, and he's been out very late. He's been out very late, and of course, what every wife thinks in this instance, even if your husband is faithful as Tiger, that... Or a gay, like... Or Robert Reed, that he's obviously fooling around. With BB. He comes in, and they say their stuff, and then he says to her, I smell fish. And that's an old joke. But then she says, I smell pink. Mm. And I can't help but think what somebody with a dirty mind mind would think. Well, she thought he was fooling around, you know, just, but, so those were my favorite quotes. And I know that the show was not dirty in any way, so I'm sure this is just me and not the writers having a little fun at the expense of their ignorant audience. Yeah, maybe. So mine is from that. It's kind of a boring one. I did like that one. That one I quoted already, but the other one is where she says, people who have never even heard of me call me BB. I like that, that too. Well, she was very funny. She was like, she was from a different show. She was pretty funny. And I have to believe Bob Reed probably had had so many issues with this episode, his head exploded. Well, With that episode. I know. And you don't, as a viewer, even as an adult viewer, knowing the background, knowing that he hated every single thing he was doing, I give him a lot of credit because he is a much better actor. And than, Lloyd Schwartz mentions are giving him right. And Lloyd Schwartz mentions his book that Oscar Rudolph, who is the director of almost all of these and directed more Brady Bunch episodes than any other director, Bob Reed gave him a horrible time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know a whole lot about direction and how it works. But I but watching the show, you would never know by the quality of that there was conflict nope. there either nope. by watching them. And Anyways. so I give everybody. So what are we gonna? So let's talk about what we're gonna do next week in case somebody wants. To yeah, watch we have it. some good episodes coming up next week. Some faves, and we have a guest appearance by a famous person. Not on our show, oh. but the Bradys okay, do. Okay, so do you want to start with episode 19? Yes, episode 19, mm-hmm. The Big Sprain. The Bradys' home is in chaos when Carol leaves to care for an ailing aunt, and Alice sprains her yes, ankle. I have a lot to say about Me that. too, oh boy. 20, one of my favorites, Brace Yourself. Mm-hmm. Marcia feels as though her world has been destroyed when she gets braces on her teeth. Yes, I like that one too. 21, and because I like Peter so much, I really like yes. this one. The hero. The Bradys are surprised when Peter explains that he saved a girl's life. And I have to say that one, when we talk it about it. one actually, that you remember? Well, not only one that I remember, but it sets the tone for the, a lot of the Peter-centric episodes. Yeah. 22. The Possible Dream. Mm. When Cindy accidentally gives away Marcia's diary, Marcia decides to exclude her younger sister from her mm. life. And that's the one with the celebrity yeah. appearance. Number 23, to move or not to move. Little ghosts begin haunting the Brady house when their parents decide to move. Trickery is afoot. Oh, trick! that never yeah. happens. 24. Oh, I have so much to say about the this The grass episode. is always greener. Mike and Carol settle an argument about who has the easier job by mm, switching mm, roles. Mm, mm, and this is one that was filmed earlier and then put in later. Yeah, and you can kind of tell. You can tell. 25, and I have a lot to say about this one, too. Lost Locket, Found Locket, and this is a Jan-centered one. Jan receives a locket from an unknown admirer, and all the Bradys are curious about who sent it. Yes, they are. And it's, very, it turns very into a, a mystery on top of a mystery. Yes. Those will round up season yeah. one and of we the are, Brady Bunch. And we are talking about seven next week because it rounds up season yeah. one, and so we wanted to yes, wrap and it up. 
wanted to stop at season one. So we will be back. And you can find us on Twitter at GroovyTube Podcast. Yes. You can find us on Facebook at GroovyTube Podcast. Yes. And you can find... Actually, isn't Twitter GroovyTube Pod or yes. something? Yes. It's GroovyTube, GroovyTube Pod, Pod because if, there's a character. If you search for GroovyTube or GroovyTube Podcast, okay. you can find us on Facebook at GroovyTube Podcast, as I said. And our website, GroovyTube Podcast. And, and feel free to send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or tweet us. Tweet and us. we have a Gmail address, GroovyTube Podcast. your feelings about the Brady Bunch. Right. And, and GroovyTube Podcast at gmail.com. And also, tell us what your favorite episode is or your favorite moment. And please rate and review on iTunes if you can. Yeah, it difference. makes a difference. Thanks for listening because we are picking up listeners and yes. we're happy. We, we're glad you guys are enjoying I hope this. you enjoy it as much and as we, we want to hear from you. Okay, yes. and we'll talk to you next week. Next week. And a special thanks to Ben Sound for our groovy music.